Welcome to the CMECE podcast, Let's Talk MRSA, 20 Frequently Asked Questions. Please review the complete CMECE information at www.mrsa20faqs.com. This podcast is designed to clarify frequently asked questions in serious MRSA infections that pose a threat to patient safety and add to the healthcare burden. Episodes released weekly are structured into four learning modules. Learners can apply for credit after reviewing each learning module. This is the second learning module, Optimized Use of Vancomycin. There are four episodes in this learning module. This is the fourth episode. In this episode, Dr. Scott Misek from Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, shares his clinical experience. Thank you again, Dr. Misek, for joining us. Now, in our previous discussions, we talked about the recent vancomycin therapeutic guidelines released by ASHP, IDSA, and SIDP on the optimal use of this agent. What we'd like to discuss today is to recognize when an alternative agent should be considered for MRSA infections. So, Dr. Misek, what do the guidelines recommend when an alternative agent should be considered? I think there are a number of scenarios when we need to consider alternative therapy uh, in relationship to um, a patient with different types of gram-positive infections. Uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind are um, patients that are infected, particularly with an isolate of, say, MRSA, that perhaps has an elevated minimum inhibitory concentration. Um, when we have organisms that exhibit that, um, and the minimum inhibitory concentration that I'm referring to is uh, two micrograms per milliliter, it's oftentimes difficult to achieve uh, pharmacokinetic and dynamic optimization in those patients, such that your serum trough concentrations are to a point where you're going to have that most like, likely chance of having efficacy. Okay, so is there an actual correlation between the higher vancomycin MICs and clinical outcomes when using vancomycin? I think we're learning a lot from a, a number of retrospective studies that have been published in the last five to ten years now. And these are in a number of different types of infections, um, be it bacteremias caused by MRSA, um, mixed infections, um, pneumonias with concomitant bacteremias. In each of these trials, whether the endpoint be clinical cure or even mortality, I think what we're recognizing is as the MIC escalates, perhaps from 0.5 to 1, to 1.5, and certainly up to an MIC of 2, we're seeing um, worse outcomes in those patients, again, whether that's clinical cure or if that's mortality. There was a paper published out of Spain in clinical infectious disease a number of years ago now that found that vancomycin um, treatment in a patient with an MRSA bacteremia that had an MIC of greater than two was an independent predictor of mortality. And certainly there have been similar trials, as I alluded to, that uh, have similar findings. Okay. So is there any correlation between decreased susceptibility to vancomycin and decreased susceptibility to other anti-MRSA agents, such as linazolid, daptomycin, or televancin? Well, I, I think each individual patient is unique when you evaluate that. Um, so let's talk from the individual patient first and then from the global perspective. 
I think from an individual patient, you always need to know their antibiotic history. And if they have a history that uh, goes beyond vancomycin to that of linazolid to that of daftomycin, certainly those patients might be at risk of having decreased susceptibility to those different agents. Uh, now, if you look on a whole, say, for example, um, 100 MRSA isolates um, that have decreased susceptibility, you may not find that you have reduced susceptibility to the other agents, such as daptomycin. Uh, so I think it's really how you evaluate um, the different scenarios. Uh, you take a look at a, a large sample of isolates that are sent to a central processing lab and, and review that in the literature, and certainly there are a number of series that do that. I don't think you'll find cross-resistance per se, which I think is often the term that we use. But in that individual patient, um, you'll often find, because of their history, uh, reduced susceptibility to many agents. Okay. So we've mentioned using vancomycin MICs as sort of a, a determinant whether we should go ahead and use vancomycin or an alternative agent. Um, in cases where there are no susceptibility test results available, are there other criteria a clinician can use to determine when vancomycin may or may not be the optimal agent? Well, I think in our general practice now, as we've alluded to in previous episodes, there certainly is a risk of nephrotoxicity. At least we believe that there is based on the literature that's been published in the past three to four years. So it's in those patients where we may consider using an alternative agent that has less, less nephrotoxic potential. Um, for example, a patient that has an MRSA pneumonia, we may opt to use linazolid. Um, I think perhaps you also have to take into consideration, as I've alluded to in the previous question, what is their antimicrobial history? Has this patient received vancomycin a number of times before? Is this patient someone that has had a, a chronic osteomyelitis or someone that had an endocarditis? Um, and was treated with vancomycin for a long course. Uh, perhaps those are the patients that are, are going to be at risk for one of these elevated MICs, and an alternative therapy should be chosen, particularly if they haven't received any of those alternative therapies in the past. Um, you know, if someone's on vancomycin, uh, that comes to mind something, you know, we still routinely use vancomycin up front empirically in our patients that are at risk for particularly MRSA infections. Um, are they not responding to therapy? Um, uh, even though you've isolated something uh, that it should be susceptible to, um, perhaps changing your strategy at that point might be something that uh, needs to be done. And then I think what's also important uh, as we gain an appreciation for and a better understanding of how to utilize our local antibiograms and our, our local understanding of the, the types of pathogens that are infecting our patients, uh, we really need to take those factors into consideration as well. Okay. Um, so then my, my final question then is, in cases where there is or may be decreased susceptibility to vancomycin, uh, what about combination therapy? Is that useful in any scenario? Well, I think for many years, uh, combination therapy with vancomycin has been utilized in a number of different infections. Uh, aminoglycosides often used in combination for a synergistic approach uh, lower dose aminoglycosides, that is, um, perhaps using rifampin or one of the rifampin analogs along with vancomycin is often used. Um, is if of an elevated MIC, 
say two micrograms per mil, that if you add a second agent on, that that will improve the likelihood of having efficacy. Um, certainly from an in vitro phenomenon, that might be something that's uh, um, postulated and thought to be of, of clinical importance, but um, I, I'm not aware of literature out there that demonstrates the combination with vancomycin in the face of an elevated minimum inhibitory concentration uh, improves outcomes in patients. Well, thank you again, Dr. Misek, for sharing your insights on this topic. And I ask you all to please join us again for future episodes discussing treatment strategies for MRSA infections. Thank you.